The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past and present. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy, and through this series, I'll be speaking to parents who chose to birth their babies at home. Join me and my guests as we hear honest and heartfelt stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In today's episode, Sarah is sharing the story of her son Henry's birth. Sarah was under the care of a midwife through the CMP at King Edward Memorial Hospital in Perth. She had a fairly straightforward pregnancy and birth where she used the hypnobirthing techniques, but some extra challenges during postpartum. Sarah also speaks to some of the limitations with the CMP model and whether she would opt for that option again for future births. Let's jump straight in and let Sarah share her story. Hi Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share your birth story today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and um, what you've been getting up to in the last little while? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, my family consists of um, my husband, Jackson, and my son, Henry, who um, this podcast is about. Um, he's 15 months now um, and walking and talking and is just beautiful at the moment. Um, or he always has been, really. Um but yeah, what have I been up to? Uh, in WA, we've been extremely lucky. We haven't had too many lockdowns. So um, uh, we've just been enjoying the outdoors as much as we can, as as much as the weather allows. And I actually um, uh, went back to work when Henry was 10 months um, full time for a 12 month contract, but um, decided uh, about couple of weeks ago that it was too much and that the company was probably not looking after me and um, I was getting actually quite physically sick um, from the stress so I actually gave it in I just I've never done that before but handed in my notice and now I'm currently unemployed and it's strange and weird to be back and I'm adjusting back to being a full-time mum again Um, so yeah that's that's sort of where I am at at the moment. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's massive. Huge. And congratulations by the sound of it <laughs> for yeah, well, having the courage to do that. Mm, I bet. Yeah. So, yeah, heading back to um, before you conceived, how, yeah, how did you go about thinking about starting a family and was that something you'd always imagined for yourself? Yeah, it was. Um, my husband and I have been together since just after school, so 10 years now and, um, we sort of did go the stock standard way, I guess you could call it. We got married or we bought a house, got married, and then um, we started trying after, on our honeymoon. Um, and it was definitely something that we wanted to have was children, so it was something we always talked about. Um, I actually, um, earlier in my 
life we did fall pregnant but um we decided not to um keep the baby at the time because we were um really young we didn't have jobs uh, secure jobs and we made the decision um at that time not to keep the baby which was a really hard and crazy thing to to decide at a young age um but now in my later life I still go by that and and I know that it's not for everybody and people will have opinions on you know on that as well um and it really wasn't an easy decision but we decided to do that so I guess that did play into my thoughts when we were ready um and we decided decide to get pray um to have babies would it be something that was easy you know was had I done something wrong in the past and therefore was going to be punished about having um children later in life but um I I also suffer with PCOS so um and I actually we fell pregnant with Henry based on the fact that I'd lost 20 kilos and I had this weird period that was I actually thought was an implantation bleed um but we um found out later that it was actually just a mini period and that's actually when I um when we were looking at the dating scan when um they took that last day um of your first period or something no first day of your last period um calculation so um had I not really lost the weight um I probably wouldn't have conceived as easily um but I also feel like it was such a fluke um which a lot of like birth is right um quite a fluke when you actually think about it um that just made me feel like Henry was meant to be here Henry was meant to be our child and and yeah that's sort of where it came from like our pregnancy journey I guess hmm and how did you feel when you found out that you were pregnant? Uh, I was actually, our, the way we found out we were pregnant was so beautiful. It was like one of those things you're like, how did that even come about? We um, were down south and we had been, so we had tried for when I was on our honeymoon and I think I might have had a chemical pregnancy. It wasn't, I, I was a week late on my period. I, um uh hadn't um like I'd had multiple pregnancy tests and it was all negative and then I had my period and I passed something that looked sort of like a a fairly large blood clot which I had never had before um but I'd, every every pregnancy t- um test came up negative so I thought I you know I talked to my friends about it and people that had been through this before and yeah we sort of thought maybe it was a chemical pregnancy so when um my period was late again that was sort of the the next cycle um when my period was late again I was quite apprehensive to test because I was worried that I was going to get my hopes up or I was going to be sitting around waiting um and then we were down south um down in Margaret River um which I don't know if you're familiar with but it's just like the wine region I obviously wasn't drinking oh no I was or maybe I did actually yeah of course I would have because I didn't know I was pregnant um, but we went to, um, it was August, and we went to a section in there, um, down there where you can see whales. And it wasn't the right season, but we were down at the whale watching section, 
and no joke there was a mum and a baby and a dad or a third a third whale playing around in that whale area and I just thought I don't know why but I said to Jack I just I remember turning around to him saying I think I, we need to get a pregnancy test on the way home and we did I got um uh I went home we're in our like a little holiday apartment did the test and then it was like, holy crap, like we're pregnant. It, and it just all felt like a dream or like, you know, like a, a movie scene sort of thing. And um, so we were really ecstatic and it was beautiful. It was, I just felt so happy in that moment. Mm, amazing. <laughs> and um, yeah, being your first pregnancy and choosing to home birth, um, what sort of, kind of prior understanding of the maternity care system and your options um, that you had led you to choose home birth the first time around? Yeah, so um, when I got to, I think when I first fell pregnant, I was, you know how there's that first 14 weeks that you're like, don't get too attached, do I get too attached? Like all those emotions running around, whether you're at the pregnancy is going to um, be viable and stick and that, that stigma around that. Um, I probably, I got to about 22 weeks and then I thought, okay, I actually need to start preparing for this. <laughs> and, um, I went to, I found out one of my workmates was actually a hypnobirthing, um, teacher and old practitioner. And I booked in to see her. So we did a two day, um, course and she was so fantastic. Um, I, already knew that she was she was a facilitator at the job that I was in so I already knew that she was really good at teaching people um so then to have her teach all about birth and all about natural birth and you know making your decisions informed decisions and and techniques to use during birth was so amazing and such a relief off my shoulders I think I didn't realize I had so much anxiety until I went to the class um and one of the ladies in the class said that she was going through this program called the CMP, which is the Community Midwife Program. And I believe Melbourne actually have them as well, but um, I think it might be called something different. But in Perth, it, it's a government program where you get assigned a midwife and they follow you through the journey and they are midwives that are um, pro-natural um, birth and also home birth, the majority home birth, but they do also help you in like the birthing centres in the hospitals. Um, so I applied and, and got given Zoe, my amazing midwife, um, and she sort of led me through. Oh, that was that was the other thing. When I was um, in the in the hypnobirthing course, that was the moment that we sort of decided on home birth. So we did the first day and I said to Jack on the way home because they were talking about, you know, creating your environment putting your um, your home with nice lights and smells that you love and, and songs that you love and, and creating this beautiful environment where you're happy and relaxed. And um, I said to Jack, if we are so happy and relaxed and everything is going well, why are we getting up and leaving to go to the hospital? And that was a real fear and anxiety of mine was how am I – if I'm going through surges, how am I going to sit in a car to get to the hospital and, and just little things like that. And so on the drive home from the course, I said to him, would you consider home birth? Like, would you be happy? And he said, yeah, look, I'd love to hear from them. And, and uh, 
he was already on board. He, I feel I'm really lucky that he trusts in me and he knew that like I wanted that. And he was like, yeah, I think that this is something we can do together. And um, he was amazing through the whole thing. But, but yeah, that's when we decided to do home birth and, and we booked through, um, or we didn't book, we applied to the CMP. Mm, amazing. And so you had Zoe as your midwife throughout the whole pregnancy and then she attended your birth as well? Yeah, so um, that's one of the things that they get, um, they really hope for because obviously birth isn't on schedule and, and they um, always want to be your midwife and I was very lucky enough to have her as the person that was there with me on um, the day um, and I also had as a support um, my really close um, friend who have been friends since school, um, Jess, she is a midwife at one of the local hospitals and and I always said to her that um, when I decided to have a home birth, I said, would you, if you are not on shift, will you um, come and be my support as well? I'd love to have you and Jess, I'm um, sorry, you and Jack um, with me. And it was the best decision I ever made. And um, since she has been my like my support person, then she's then gone on to support two of our other close friends. Um, and so she's, I think, in the space of, you know, a year and a half, she's been there for uh, three different births in our friends group. So it's just so beautiful to have someone like that um, who has been such an amazing support and, and um, uh, made me feel um, supported and, and reassured throughout everything, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, everything. Mm, that's so great and um, sounds like the perfect person being somebody you already knew and having that midwifery experience as well. How the rest of your pregnancy was and whether you were well or you had anything come up during your pregnancy at all? Yeah, we. Um, so I was fairly well. I was. I had nausea until about sixteen weeks, and um, uh, but then it just it so slowly went away. Um, I did a lot of work on um the football like every night, you know, as part of preparation coming up um to the birth, um, and I felt that really helped. Like Jack did a lot of acupressure and um, uh, that sort of help. Um, and so that was really good. I. There was one moment that um, probably was a little bit nerve-wracking for me. It was, I think I was about 36 weeks and I had had that, I'd, I didn't feel Henry as much moving and I thought, you know, they say to you if, you, if you feel less movement, it's better to go get checked than anything. And so I decided to go get checked um and after when I was there, it just really solidified the fact that I did. I was so glad I wasn't going to be in hospital because it was quite um, not a great experience. You know, they, they it feels like you're just a number to them. And when we were in there, and they said, "Oh yeah, everything's fine. He's um, it was actually he didn't they didn't say he, but the, um, it was actually the fact that my body was uh, practicing Braxton Hicks, so the the sensation of the contraction was actually more than his movement if that makes sense and mm. um when so they said but we'd like to we've seen that you I, I had a lot of um 
because of my informed um, education with hypnobirthing and with my friend Jess, I did opt to do the least amount of intervention as possible. And part of that was to not have ultrasounds when not necessary. Um, and they said to me, oh, you haven't had an ultrasound since 20 weeks. And I said, well, that's normal because that why? Why do I need to have one? I'm going really well. Everything's fine. And they said, well, we need you to have one. And they 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 almost made me an ultrasound, which then as well said everything was fine. And then afterwards when I called Zoe to let her know that I'd had what had happened, and she said they said that they needed to go get sign-off now from the doctor to say that I was allowed to have a home birth. And at that moment I was so upset because I think had I had known prior I don't know how I would have reacted, but had I known prior that because I decided to go check on my baby to make sure it was okay and everything was okay, but they decided that I had to go get an ultrasound and if I got the ultrasound and anything was slightly wrong, like it wasn't measuring to exactly 50%, then um, I would then not be allowed to have a home birth. So I was really anxious in that week between going and seeing them for a bedside um, ultrasound and checking the baby and going and having a formal ultrasound. Um, and luckily enough, everything was perfect and it was all good. But I think there was like that, just that one little moment in my pregnancy, which I got really angry at the system and really um, disheartened by the fact that I was being dictated as to how I would, if, if everything wasn't dead perfect, I wouldn't be able to um, birth at home. So it was a little bit of a stressful time, but we did get through it. Mm, yeah, that's so hard. And it seems like one of the common downsides of the um, publicly funded home birth programs is that um, their criteria for keeping you at home and considering you low risk is so, so full on and hard to pass. And I mean, in this case, it seems like they were really looking for a problem where there, where there was no indication that there was a problem. So um yeah kind of it was just like Mm. we know better than you feeling um so which yeah I was really rejectful at the moment and I'm not usually someone like that but I think birth is such a personal thing and such a um and such a a, and I don't know like an internal thing that I 100% trusted my body and it was just that one little seed of doubt that took me to the hospital that I thought, oh, my God, it's going to unravel everything. But it was fine. <laughs> the little stress mm-hmm. went off and, and we was it all worked out and it was fine. But, yeah, I just remember being in that moment going, oh, my God. But, um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, heading into the final weeks of your pregnancy, how were you feeling and um how many weeks were you when things started to kind of shift and get ready for labour? Yeah, um, so I went into we went into lockdown. This was the first lockdown of COVID, um, where it was six weeks, I think five weeks. So I went on my maternity leave at thirty five weeks, and then literally the next week we got stood down from our work, um, and we went into that five week lockdown, which was um, really it was good and bad because it's it, it it allowed me to be really um, calm, not do much. Like I'm quite an active socially social person, so I think had I not been um, in lockdown, I might have uh, probably pushed myself a bit too much with lots of activity. 
Um, so my my baby shower was cancelled, but my friends actually um, surprised me with a virtual baby shower, which was just the best. It was when I think I was just looking at photos earlier before the call, and it was so amazing. They did a Facebook live, they did a Facebook group and invited everyone that I had invited, and throughout the the weeks prior. They had asked them to do the activities that I was going to do, like, you know, ride on um, uh, the nappies. Um, but what they did is they just posted a, uh, a um, post and then people wrote underneath. So then we were, we, we wrote on them, but um, it was still the messages were the, were um, there and they um, we had our onesies that they were going to decorate. And so one of our friends found a PDF um, onesie and put it up and said, all right, guys, go and do your designs. And so on the live video, it's just us going through all these designs that people did. And it was just hilarious and fun. And it was beautiful. It was so nice because obviously I was sitting at home in isolation on my uh, baby shower day. Um, so it was, it was really nice. Um, and um, yeah, so that was that was leading up to it. I we came out of um, we came out of lockdown. I think about two weeks prior to giving birth. Um, so as soon as we were allowed to see friends, that's the first thing we did. And um, I was forty weeks and three days um, when I went to my friend's place. For it was actually Jess's, my support person's, um, for a pizza night. And I took my fitball and I sat and I bounced on my fitball. And her son said to me, "What are you your fitball for?" And I said, "That's because I'm going to give birth tonight, and I need to get this baby out." And we all joked, and it was the craziest, stormiest night. Um, the winds were absolutely crazy. You know, you'd open your car door and it just swing open like it was just crazy. Um, and I came home that night. Um, we came home about 10, went to bed, and then at 1 o'clock I was like, oh, something feels different. Um, and I started to have sort of like little period cramp pains. Um, and then it was about 2.30 and I woke my husband up and I said, I think this is it. Um, I think we should call Jess. <laughs> and um, she always jokes that when he called her, he's like, hey, how you going? And she's like, good. And he's like, we're good too. Like, I think something's happening. And so um, she came over and, and, and we started the process. Mm, amazing. And, um, and how did things progress throughout your early labour and what were some of the kind of sensations that you felt and ways that you managed it? Yeah. Um, so... Early on, I was over, like I remember at that one o'clock in the morning point, I got on my fitball and I was just rocking back and forth like, on my hands and knees, like I was on my knees and rocking on the ball. Um, and as it started to get stronger, um, I put on my TENS machine. So I hired a TENS machine and, and a pool um, and the TENS machine was amazing. And they said, you know, pop it on early. That's what I did. Um, and I really thought it was amazing because – um, I didn't have to speak through my surges. Um, whenever I hit the button on the TENS machine, that's when Jess and Jack knew that I was going through a surge. And, and so we sort of formed this um, routine. And what it was was as soon as I hit the button, Jess knew that she needed to put the pressure on my lower back. I, that was 
one of the best sensations ever and being a midwife she knew exactly where to put her hands my husband did it once and um I was like I love you but just you need to do this the whole time because she knew exactly what to do and um I stayed in my room I was they talked about in hypnobirthing how you find this quiet dark little space that's yours um and that's like quite an instinctual thing to do and I literally did that I was sitting in my wardrobe <laughs> and on my fitball in my wardrobe and just I was pushing against the walls when I went through a surge and in between surges my husband was on the other fitball and he was holding my hand and in between the surges we actually fell asleep and like we remember both like jolting awake and we're like how the hell do people sleep during this time but I don't know it was so my room was just that safe place and uh, it was beautiful and I felt so warm and safe in there and I, I would get in the shower. Um, but I found the shower was annoying because I'd have to take the TENS machine off and the TENS machine was my more, was the best pain relief, um, that. And then, yeah, so, yeah, so the acupressure and the TENS machine was my two biggest things and I leant over, I would stand up and lean over my um uh, change table um, and or sitting on the fit ball um, with my legs as wide open as possible. I felt like those two positions were really um, the points where I was like, yep, this is, this is for me. I tried to get on the bed once and it was agonising. It was absolutely agonising. And I remember thinking at that point as well, you know, in those movies where everyone's laying on their back having babies and I thought, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and um so uh once I was in uh, while this was all happening I was in contact with my midwife but how the CMP works is that they can only do I think a 10 or a 12 hour shift so she really wanted to um make sure that she was going to be there for that final moment so they sort of put themselves to go um as later as possible so that they can be there for that um, for that time, and she also said as well. Sometimes, if I, she gets there too early, um, you sort of get distracted, and then the adrenaline kicks in, and then the birth, the um, uh, it all slows down again. So she said she really wanted me to be in active labour by the time she came. So, so yeah, I started early labour at one o'clock, and Zoe came at eight thirty. Um, and I had Jess with me the whole time, so I felt completely safe and fine without having any her there until later in the morning. Um, and then when she got here, she said, let's have a vaginal examination. And one of my preferences was that I didn't want to have anything if it wasn't necessary. And the thought of getting on that bed, as I mentioned before, was just like, no, I do not want to do this. Um, so she said, that's fine. Like, let me just... Um, like you just let me know when you're ready and they're so great they were absolutely I cannot like speak of them highly enough but she said no you get on the bed when you're ready and eventually we got on the bed it took me I reckon maybe four or five contractions to get on the bed because I was like oh don't move like, oh don't move <laughs> um but once we got on there um she she examined me and she said it's time to get in the pool you're nine centimeters and we all just I just remember that moment Jack and Jess and I just like burst into tears. Oh, sorry. Because it was just like 
all that hard effort and he was coming to the to the to the moment and um yeah it was just so nice it was so we were just like yeah we're just happy tears of course we were just like oh my god yes this is happening um and yeah and so we we set up the pool in the lounge room and we had fairy lights but by the time uh we got there it was oh I think it was about 10 o'clock 10 a.m so it was nice and um bright and beautiful and as soon as my feet hit that water oh I had no tennis machine I had nothing on it was like instant relief and it just made me think like how amazing water is and how amazing this process is and why do more people not do this or why do more people not have this available to them um so yeah we got I got in the water and I think I was only in the water for about 40 minutes I think but I got on my knees and leant over the bath and Jess reckons <laughs> like I was asking for intense acupressure I was asking for like more 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 like that that pushing against um, my hips and she said she was so scared of me moving because she would have definitely gone straight in that water um had I <laughs> had I moved um and my there's a funny story to the part in the pool uh the midwife says to you when you're preparing for home birth make sure you have a sieve or like a or like a fish scoop and I'm like why and she said because if you poo we need to be able to scoop it out so that we don't have to drain the water and, and do it again. And so I, it was always a running joke. We're like, okay, you know, it's totally normal to poo like during pregnancy or during birth. Sorry. But I was laying in the pool. I was all relaxed. I was quiet. It was like in between um, a contraction and Jack was with me and Jess is in my kitchen. Cause my kitchen living room is one area. And she said to Jack whispering, she said, where's the sieve? And I went, I just jumped up and I was like, have I done a poo? Where is the poo? And they're both like, no, 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 no. We're just getting it just in case you haven't done a poo. And I didn't believe them. I was like, <laughs> you're lying to me. You're telling me I you're like, there's a poo in here. Like I was just so, <laughs> and she's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I didn't, I hadn't done it, but um, it was just a really funny moment where I, you know, even though I was in deep thought, like that seed had always been there. Like, <laughs> Am I going to poo? Like, it sounds silly. It's so silly, but. <laughs> the biggest birth fear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I was going to poo in my pool. Like, come on, it's it's normal. It's completely normal. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so um, we were in the pool and I was going through my surges and it's so crazy when it changes, like when it goes to that moment of bearing down. And my husband said to me when – I was doing those like convulsive pushes like those. It's so crazy how it feels like you have no control whatsoever. Your body is doing it, whether you want to do it or not. And he said that he saw my, cause I was leaning over the pool. He said he saw my back and he said every single muscle in your back just rose when you went through that bearing down. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I, I I don't know. It was just amazing. It, it did feel like a massive poo. Like if you know, it was it was crazy to feel it coming down. And Zoe was absolutely amazing. She said to me, she guided me through like when to get behind it and when to like sort of give that a little bit extra. But she also 
you know, as the head started to come out, she said, all right, this next one, I don't want you to push too hard. I want you to allow your body to stretch, to open the head and or to allow the head to come through and to help um, so that I wouldn't tear. And she said, you know, do the little blowing like you're blowing out a candle instead. And as a result, I, like I didn't tear. Um, I had like a few little grazes, but it's so amazing. I think with her um, guidance and the water as a relieving um and a lubrication, I guess, um, it really helped for, you know, sort of that perfect, um, that perfect arrival, I guess. And, and, um, they, I was so in the zone that, yeah, you just feel this push out. I mean, you would know you just, it just pushes out and then you're like, Whoa, like this massive sensation. And I remember Zoe saying to me, um, pick up your baby, pick up your baby. And like Henry's on the ground in the water <laughs> and I just sort of picked him up and put him straight on my chest. And, um, and it was just an absolutely beautiful moment. And I, when I look at my photos, I just see that absolute, um, like exhilarated face. Like I was just on cloud nine. I wasn't crying. I was so like full of energy and so amazed and just like absolutely pumped and absolutely proud of what I had achieved and what I had done. And yeah, I just, it, it was the best feeling I've ever had in my life. I imagine it's, it's euphoria. Like I just, yeah, I, I remembered um, my Kate, the hypnobirther, said to me, oh, that moment you have your baby, she said that she was like, oh, I'm ready to have another one. And I thought to myself at the time, I was like, you are crazy. That doesn't really happen. But that was exactly how I felt in that moment. I thought I can do this again. Let's go again. Like that was so good and so accomplishing. That's not the right word. I felt so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the word is, but you know, <laughs> like I just was so happy and, and yeah. Mm, yeah it's such a powerful moment isn't it yeah it is it is yeah and we didn't know whether we were having a boy or a girl so I've got this a Jess again this multitasking amazing woman um was in between supporting me taking amazing photos of the whole night and she get she got on live one little um tip tiny tip was that if you've got an iphone put your phone on um, live and so you get these, you're taking these photos but you get these little snippets because you can hold it down and, and it's like a little video. And she got this little video of me looking up at Jack and I just say, it's a boy because I've just looked at him and um, that that video I just cherish so much. Mm. Mm, so beautiful. And did you stay in the pool to deliver the placenta or did you sort of um, hop out sort of fairly quickly? Yeah, I stayed in the pool for about an hour after um, having Henry, just soaking it all in, loving him, letting him latch. He he actually was, I called him the super sucker because as soon as he came out, he sucked right onto my boob. It didn't get the nipple. It actually gave me a hickey. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we stayed in the pool and, and we did the, um, na- I wanted a natural birthing, birth of the placenta or natural third stage. Um, so we stayed in the pool for an hour but um, and they sort of checked me out. But what it was was that the I think the way my vagina's um, angled, it needed I needed to sort of be a little bit more upright and give it a little bit of a push to get out. So they said, come and sit on your toilet. <laughs> um, and so I jumped out of the pool at 
yeah, after an hour and um, delivered my placenta on the toilet. And it was so funny. I, that was another funny part of the uh, story was I'm sitting on the toilet and there's these two midwives and they're saying, all right, here's an empty bottle, blow on the bottle. That'll help do the natural push and, and do a little cough and do this and do this. <coughs> and then they both looked at each other and said, we're just going to leave you alone for a minute. <laughs> and, um, yeah, as soon as they walked away, I sort of gave it a little push and, and out it came um, into the into a basket in the toilet. So, um, <coughs> and then Jack, uh, my husband, um, cut the placenta on the toilet. It was it, it's great photos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. The toilet's feature in so many birth photos. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is. It's a great place. It's a natural place, right? I remember the hypnobirther saying to me, if you if you were going to hospital and you needed to get away from everyone, say you, you need to go to the toilet and sit on the toilet because a lot of the time that's usually quite a relaxing place to sit and to sort of rethink and then that sometimes can give you the um, – the time to and the space to make the right decision. Um, so I reckon the toilet is, is the place for thinking mm. <laughs> and action. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. how were those first few few hours and days after the birth um, and sort of recovering and adjusting to breastfeeding and all that sort of thing? Yeah, we um, – so – it was amazing to literally like at the point where we cut the placenta and they got me, they got me in the shower. I, I laid in my own bed and it was amazing. It was just so good. Jack was um, in the bed next to me and he had Henry and I was recovering and it, it, I remember sitting there trying to soak it all in and cause they call it that golden hour, don't they? Where it's that, that first moments where you're like, Oh my God, we have a baby. Um, and I remember the midwife left. So Henry was born at 12.35 and the midwife and everyone left at 4.30 and we both looked at each other and we're like, oh, crap, like, like what do we do now <laughs> sort of thing, I think, as most first-time parents do. Um, and it was beautiful. We Everyone came and saw us for the first two weeks. Um, we didn't leave the house. Um, and because of COVID restrictions, we decided not to have any guests for the first two weeks. Um, and then in that third week, we started having people and we just did one visitor a day. Um, but it was really blissful, to be honest. Um, Henry um, slept fairly well. He was, you know, um, he was pretty good. He had his days and nights the right way around, which was very um, helpful for us. Um, but breastfeeding was difficult. Um it's one of those things that I know everyone says that you prepare so much for the birth and then after with breastfeeding, you're like, oh, right, that's right. And it's a really difficult thing to do if it doesn't just come naturally. Um, and I was in so much pain. Um, I, and it was, he looked, so the thing was, is that Henry looked like he was latching properly. So when people looked at you and they're like, oh yeah, he's breastfeeding really well. But once he came off, my nipple was flat as a tack, like so flat. And that was the pain um, because he was just squishing. His mouth was really tight. And um, we had a lactation consultant come and see us. It was also amazing. And um, we ended up going to the dentist and he actually had four ties. So we had his lip, 
his tongue and his two cheeks, um, which called for a very tight mouth and was uh, uh, definitely the reason why we um, uh, struggled with breastfeeding in the early in the early um, weeks. So that was at three weeks. At three weeks, we got him his tongue's ties done, and from that time, breastfeeding was better. But I had a lot of having PCOS as well um, affects your milk supply. So I was pumping, feeding, topping him up with the pumped milk, um, then breast, uh, then pumping again later to um, have that top up ready for the next feed. So those first, like I want to say four, five months um, was really challenging because he wasn't putting on weight. He was on the third percentile and it was due to the um, – the ties because once the ties were corrected he um, started to gain weight and um, he's always been he ended up being a great eater you know he milk I don't know I, I never really researched it but I wonder if you know I wasn't providing as fatty a milk as he could have because of my supply and therefore he was a better eater I have no idea but um, yeah he we did we did struggle a bit with breastfeeding and i and i breastfed until he was um 10 months old so we persevered mm, yeah well done breastfeeding is hard and it sounds like you had some extra challenges so yeah really full on and um yeah obviously postpartum is really huge and especially um kind of well particularly in the kind of early days of covid and um, there's a lot of uncertainty and kind of fear going around. But how did you how did you cope sort of emotionally during postpartum? Yeah, um, I had a really great support system. Uh, I also remembered to I'm fairly direct. My friends would say so if something if I needed time to be away from everyone, I would just say it. And and my friends respect that, and my family as well. I was very direct with them that this is our journey first and yours second. And I think not so much friends, but family sometimes don't understand that. Um, and, but once I sort of explained to them, you know, I, I remember my mum, she got really upset because she felt like I'd left her out of uh, the like the labor part. So um, when I, I said to everyone prior, I said, look, we're not going to tell you when we go into labor, we're going to tell you once the baby's born, but then we will let you know when you're welcome to come over. Um, and I remember afterwards the, my mum would got really upset because I had told her that the baby was born, but I didn't tell her what he, what he was, like the name, nothing. Um, and she sort of carried that into the weeks after postpartum but then we had a really good conversation and I said to her mum like you need to realize this is my journey and and my time and and she was upset because she thought she's had previous issues and with um, our previous grandchildren and so she felt like it was part of her not being able to create a relationship with my son but we were literally at the moment she was upset we were literally having his first bath ever and it was me and my mum doing it. Like my husband wasn't even there. And I said to her, "Why? how would I be leaving you out if you're getting to do the first bath that he's ever had? And so she sort of realised. And I think that's the sort of conversations I had to have with family um, straight after because it is such a vulnerable time 
Um, and I remember with Jack's in-laws, uh, sorry, my in-laws, Jack's parents, um, we had to be really stern on them about popping around, you know, that whole don't just stop in and don't be here during witching hour. And I know I remember there was one night where at five, so after I was after Henry for that first sort of three months at five o'clock on the dot or as soon as the sun went down, I'd burst into tears. It was really weird. I don't know why <laughs> I just cry. And I think it's because it was about the anticipation of what the night was going to bring. What was it going to be like? Was, was Henry going to sleep? Was I going to get any sleep? Was he going to feed? Like he's crying now since five o'clock to eight o'clock. Like what do we do? you know, those first couple of months where you just have no bloody clue and you're just trying to work it out. Um, and Jack's parents were over and it was five o'clock and I was exhausted. I had had a really bad night the night before and I had said to Jackson, all right, I think they should go. And I was trying to hold it together and hold it together and hold it together. And he finally got them out the door and I said to Jack, uh, when I say this, that means you need those people out of that door in that moment, not 10 minutes later, not five minutes later, right then and there, I am not coping. And I think from that moment as well, that's where he really realised like, oh, okay, like this, it's not just a, you know, I think because sometimes with husbands, they don't realise the feelings you're having. Um, but yeah, I think, that's sort of how I how I dealt with it, and um, and yeah, I think mm. we I, I'm extremely lucky to have a large group of friends, um, close school friends, and they were really great. We had you know meal services around the clock given to us, and um, no one imposed. Um, and yeah, I, I felt like it went pretty well. Um, we obviously had some hiccups. I think I. I sort of mentioned to you earlier, but um, we had two friends um, really at part of that group that were killed in a car accident um, three weeks after Henry was born. And that was a crazy time. Like uh, to so many people said to me, I can't believe you're going through this with a newborn, but it was obviously not something that anyone can control. Um, but I definitely think looking back now that um, – the grief definitely has like was happening and all those, all those stages of grief was happening during my postpartum as well. Um, but uh, Henry and Jack were quite a savior with that. When that was happening, it was, it was quite a comfort to have them and to um, appreciate life and um to have yeah the comfort in each other so um, my postpartums is a bit crazy really but also really good and um, supportive and we all have come out of this including our friends different and um, really supportive of each other and um, and yeah how we can help mums with postpartum as well because um, some of my other friends have had babies now as well and um, yeah it's yeah been quite a journey <laughs> yeah definitely and that sounds like just yeah a whole other level of kind of emotions to deal with at the same time as sleep deprivation and all of the normal postpartum things and just the and and the hormonal thing as well which you sort of I, th I think you kind of touched on that around partners who haven't birthed sometimes not understanding yeah. 
the kind of hormonal and, and emotional state that you can be in after birth and the things that set you off and, and don't and what you can cope with. And it sounds like, you know, you were able to do a pretty good job of setting setting some boundaries and taking care of yourself and being supported by the people around you through a really challenging time. So, yeah. yeah. And no one prepares you for the first six months, I think, at least. Like, I think it took us a good six months to find our rhythm and to find what works for us and to not get caught up in the advice um, as well as trusting your gut. It's just such a learning curve. It's probably the biggest learning curve that anyone will have really, I think. Um, and I think it's great to see people like even I did this, I, I think to myself when I was going through it, I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe that I gave advice on this or I thought this about someone who had had a baby or, you know, like there's so many times where you're like, um, like one of my friends I think um, did sleep training or something and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, why is she doing that? But then you're in it and you're like, why did I do that? It really teaches you a lot about um, uh judgment and support and um yeah so many things <laughs> mm, definitely parenthood is such a um really teaches you to have the, a, a totally different degree of empathy and yeah. and kind of understanding for other people it's it's, it's a very beautiful teacher mm. yeah, well yeah and um how are you feeling kind of moving away from that birth and thinking about whether um, you'll have more children or anything like that after having such a kind of positive first birth experience. Are you are you excited to do it again? <laughs> yes, I'm so excited to do it again. I um I loved it so much. We've decided that we're going to have a bit of a um, gap. Um, we really like we just enjoy Henry so much and. We really want to make the most of his first couple of years before he goes to school. So we've decided to wait um, a little bit longer until he gets to school. So then, and the other thing was, I want to be able to focus on my pregnancy again. I want, I want the next pregnancy to be as good as the first one was. And I know that that means that I have to take time out to focus on that. And I just don't think that I could do both. I don't think I could give Henry everything that he needs before he's at school and he's just in this whole new world um, that he's discovering as well as um, like, I just want to enjoy him. I just love him so much. So um, I will definitely be going down doing home birth again. I am such an advocate. I, everyone that I see this pregnant, <laughs> probably a bit too much, but I'm like, you should home birth. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, we will definitely be doing that again. I, I do have the challenge. So like we, we were talking before about the government um, funded programs, that there's so many criteria. So I think um, after I um, had Henry, I put on weight. I think it was um, part of the grief and the everything that was going on um, uh, and as well as my PCOS came back um, greater than ever, I think, almost. Um, uh, so... I don't know if I'll be able to go through the CMP again because they have a weight restriction, um, which actually is I, – I, the weight restriction I think is 110 kilos. And I thought to myself, my friend who is skinny as a rake and tall but would be, you know, maybe 90 kilos at her um, at her healthiest 
And so that doesn't give her much room if she would, if she was to do that. So um, that's just a side thought of mine. But, <laughs> um, but so I, if I can't go through the CMP, I'll definitely be going through a private midwife because it's so worth the money. I'm, I, that experience was just the best thing ever, and I don't think I could replicate that any other way than doing a home birth again. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you've touched on obviously a big issue there with the kind of uses weight as a criteria for being able to home birth and yeah. I think regardless of whether you whether you end up coming in under or over that um, limit to be able to use private midwifery and access body neutral care um, <clears throat> with you know all of the options as somebody else would care is such a fantastic option if you have the kind of resources to be able to do it. Mm. Yeah yeah so we are planning for that we're like all right we know it's not the cheapest thing in the world but it is well worth its money so um if that's what needs to be then that's what needs to be and I'm not going to put pressure on myself to lose weight to be able to fit into a criteria so um because that's not going to help my stress and anything like that which is really important to your pregnancy as well so um yeah but it's it has been the most wonderful experience and I'm extremely fortunate and lucky that um I had a great experience, but I think as well, like sometimes it's hard to talk about positive birth when you have had this textbook amazing birth because the people that haven't had that, or I, I actually definitely have felt that I can't talk about my positive birth as much, not can't, but choose not to because I'm worried about the backlash of people telling me, well, not everyone's birth is like that or yeah, that's great that you had that. Um, so it's really, it's, that's been a bit of a eye-opener for me as well. I tend to actually not share as much um, besides this, of course. I thought this is a beautiful way to talk about it, but um, I um, I wasn't too sure about, it's a really weird thing to navigate through trying to tell people your positive birth story um, when society has such, um, a really different view on birth sometimes, yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And um, yes, I think women end up carrying the blame and the kind of, uh, not shame or guilt, but the sense of responsibility for a birth that doesn't go the way that they imagined when really often the cause of that is, um, you know, hospital systems or care providers and the restrictions and rules and kind of things that play into that, which I won't, you know, go into in a massive way, but it's, yeah, it's really sad when um, other birthing people kind of take take responsibility for things which were probably out of their control and, um, and, and then go on to not be able to hear positive birth stories because it's so upsetting for them and, and so challenging to hear. So, yeah, I think um, a lot of empathy for everybody who births, regardless of how that looks like and space held for everybody, including people who've had really beautiful, positive births like yours is is a, you know, a really good way to heal and to understand each other more. Yeah, yeah, it's been, yeah, you are totally hit the nail on the head. It's the birth, regardless of what it is, is an amazing, amazing achievement. Even pregnancy, carrying your baby, like it's so empowering um, for a woman to be able to achieve that. And I, I just, um, uh, yeah, I just hats off to anyone out there. And of course, also the people that um, 
are struggling to to fall pregnant. You know, I've got friends in that realm as well, and I see the pain on their faces when, you know, they're seeing the milestones of others. And um, so I, there's empathy out for everyone. I, I am a true believer in trying to be compassionate as possible, even um, and supporting each other as much as we can, because we're all we're all out there trying to just, yeah, yeah. I don't even know the words. <laughs> I'm not as you are. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your birth story today. Such a pleasure to chat to you and and um yeah, listen, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um it, it's been really, really lovely. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Sarah. You can find some photos and footage from her birth on Instagram at keepbirthwild.podcast and some links to her favourite resources on the website uh, keepbirthwild.com.au. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Mm-hmm.